God loves you, it's true. But does God forgive everyone he loves? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Heaven's forgiveness isn't based on love, it's grounded in justice. God's love for you and me compelled him to send a ransom, a redeemer, a rescuer. But those who refuse to be rescued will perish, despite God's great love for them. Jim will make that much clearer on today's look into 1 John. The call of the cross, the call of the gospel is, come to Jesus Christ because you are a sinner. Come to him because you have done things that separate you from God. Come to him as a citizen of darkness and trust him. He is able to make you a child of light. And all those things that brought the judgment of God upon you before you came to Christ, God wants to empower you to be victorious over those things after you have met Christ. That you sin not at all. That should be the heartbeat and aspiration and desire of every believer. That my life is free from darkness that my life is full of light, that my life is free from sin and its power, and my life is liberated to righteousness and godliness and truth. That's what the Christian faith is all about. It's not come and God will give you an insurance policy, then go live like the devil and eventually go to heaven anyway. That's not what the Christian gospel said. The Christian gospel says you are a prisoner to your sin and your sin is hurting you and it's hurting those around you. It's contrary to nature. It's contrary to the way God created us and you're going to pay a terrible, terrible, terrible price for your sins. God doesn't want you to pay that terrible price. He wants to deliver you out of the power of sin and darkness and set you free and fill you with light and joy, and peace, and righteousness. Stop sinning. Stop excusing sin in your life. God has not left you powerless. He has connected you with himself so that the very life of God, which is always light-bearing, the very life of God is infused into you by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Granted, until you meet Jesus Christ in the resurrection, you will always have the struggle because you will always have the sin nature. It is never eradicated in this life. So you will always have the propensity you will always have the encouragement of the world of darkness around you to behave darkly. And you will always have an inner urge to do what you know is wrong. But you also have the Holy Spirit living in you, and he has come to empower you to walk in the light. Therefore, I write to you that you sin not at all. Not even once. Stop excusing what you know God disapproves in your life. That's the only way you'll have fullness of joy. It's the only way you'll have peace. It's the only way you'll grow to become the person God wants you to be.
Now, what resources has God put to work in order to have this happen? Look at the wonderful things that God has provided. It tells us in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all, write it down, all, notice it, all sin. The solution to sin isn't trying harder. The solution to sin isn't getting a new standard of conduct, not new resolutions. The solution to sin comes from the resources of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. At the cross at Calvary, Jesus Christ, God the eternal Son, made flesh, took upon himself both your sins and your sin. He both became a payment for the things that you had done, and he became identified with you in the person, in the individual sense, that you became he and he became you at the cross of Calvary. He became your substitute. And through the blood, Jesus Christ died a death, offered up his life as a substitute for you and me. And the secret to overcoming sin and sinfulness is to be close to the one who gave his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So our focus ought to be to walk in the light as he is in the light, to take our model from him, to make our ideals his ideals. Look with me, please, at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This verse says that my response to sin that I find in myself is to confess. The word confess means to agree, to say the same thing. To stop deceiving myself by giving sin all these other labels that make it seem okay. To make my sin conduct acceptable. Stop changing the labels. Call it by its rightful name. Use the terms that God uses. And when you're doing things that God targets as being sinful, use God's terms and agree with God that that activity is what you're contemplating or what you just did, that activity is clearly wrong, and you were wrong for doing it, and you are in your own flesh helpless to overcome it, and that you need God to empower you and to forgive you. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and righteous. Notice that. 
God does not forgive me my sins and cleanse me of my unrighteousness because he's kind. Now hear me. God does not forgive me of my sins because he's love. Uh-uh. God does not forgive me of my sins because he likes me. Uh-uh. The forgiveness of my sins and the power to overcome their hold in my life is rooted in the character of God. He is faithful. He is just. Faithful to what? To himself. Just means righteous. If God doesn't Forgive and cleanse me of the sin I confess. God ceases to be righteous. God ceases to be light. God has to forgive me and cleanse me when I confess or he ceases to be God. That's what this verse is saying. Let me explain. God doesn't forgive me because he loves me. Because he loves me, God sent his son into the world, and at the cross, he paid the horrible price for my sin. God can't just wink at my sin, pat me on the head and say, well, boys will be boys. God can't give me a bye. God can't just excuse me and bring me in uncleansed. God is righteous and holy. And at the cross, God provided an adequate payment for all of my sins, a perfect substitute for my sin, so that at the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ in his death provides the basis and provides the legal responsibility for God to have to forgive me of my sins. I can't say it any stronger than that. But I want you to see that God doesn't set up in heaven and say, yeah, I know, same sin. Well, I don't know if I'm going to do it this time or not. God has obligated himself as the righteous and just and holy God. He has obligated himself through what he did for us in his love through Christ at Calvary to forgive sins. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Notice chapter 2, verse 1. If any man sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Advocate, lawyer, somebody who stands in our place and effectively deflects the wrath of God. I grew up in the hills of eastern West Virginia. We have large orchards. Sometimes huge storms will come boiling up through the, through, the, through the Appalachian Mountains. Hail will develop, and the hail will destroy the fruit. 
on the trees. The farmers there, when I was a little, uh, when I was midlife, developed a system where they would seed the clouds. They would see this huge storm coming over the mountains. They would predict that that storm was going to damage the crop, and so they would send airplanes up that would drop particles. I don't know what it was. But they would drop particles in these huge clouds, and those particles would react with the moisture drops in the clouds. The clouds would split, and the storm would pass us by. Jesus Christ provided that kind or provides that kind of protection from the onslaught of God's wrath when we sin. When a believer commits a sin, Satan has the right to say, Hey, God, look, are you going to justify that? Are you going to share in that? Are you going to just cover that over? Or are you going to deal with him? You said anybody that does that gets a spanking, okay? Spank him. And Jesus Christ steps up and says, Father, I've already taken the spanking for that sin too. And the Father says, that's right. And so you don't get the spanking because Jesus took the spanking for you. He's an advocate. He stands right now in the presence of God. Please don't think that Jesus Christ is up there acting like a lawyer thinking up clever ways to convince the judge. It's not that at all. But he is actively continuing to apply the benefits of his work for us at Calvary to our account and to our daily relationship with the Father. He continually intercedes for us. He speaks to the Father when we fail and secures for us yet another installment of forgiveness that he purchased full and complete at Calvary. He is Jesus Christ the righteous. Now note verse 2. He is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. Calvary was not where God satisfied Satan. Calvary is where God satisfied God. At the cross, Jesus fully and completely satisfied the wrath of God that I deserved for all my sins. He experienced the separation from God that I deserve because I am a sinner. And in his death, he paid the penalty. And in his resurrection, he provides the power of the Holy Spirit to live within me so that now God's wrath and God's judgment against me has passed. I am no longer under his judgment. The sins that I do have already been paid for by the death that he died. 
He is the propitiation for our sins. And notice that last phrase. And not only for ours, not for the believers only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The death of Jesus Christ upon the cross is sufficient to forgive every person, every sin, throughout the whole course of human history. If you perish under the burden of your sins, my friend, it's because you refuse the free gift of complete and perfect forgiveness. That's what John was trying to say in John chapter 3 when he said this is the condemnation, not that, not that, uh, not that Christ came into the world. The condemnation is that we are sinners and we love our sins. And we would rather stay in our sins than accept the Savior. But for all who accept the Savior, the sins are forgiven finally, fully, completely, not based upon anything I do, but what he has done. So what's all this lead us to conclude? Very simply, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, God has made a provision where all of my sin have been eternally forgiven. All I need to do is to confess, to receive, to repent. God does the cleansing. God does the forgiveness. Is that the kind of faith you have this morning? Do you this morning confess to God that you are a sinner? You confess to him when you do those things that exhibit that sin within you? Do you this morning understand God wants you to walk without committing sin? And that that tension will be with you as long as you're in this life, but as you commit your life to Christ, the Spirit of God will energize you to walk in righteousness and light. And when you don't, when you fail, his blood has already anticipated that failure. Do you have a true relationship with the true God? Our Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for this very clear passage of your word. Thank you that you have already, at the cross of Calvary, anticipated every sin that every person in all the world, through all time, will ever and could ever commit. Thank you that the offer of salvation and deliverance and forgiveness that you give us is not empty. It's full. The price has been paid. The death has been died. The work has been done. You are ready to give to anyone who comes to you by faith the gift of eternal life. And you then keep us from perishing as you continue to apply the benefits of the cross, the blood of Jesus, to our life. Lord, this morning, show us the great joy that comes from confessing and believing. May we not withhold 
our sins from you because we're embarrassed. May we understand that you already know about them and at great cost to yourself, you've already paid the penalty so that we can be clean. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed in this last moment of comment. God is light, and he wants to make us like him. Sin is within us. He wants to change that. By illuminating our hearts, by hearing our confession, by applying his grace, and by empowering us by his spirit. Any teaching, any system, any religion that fails you in any of those points is not of God. It is of Antichrist. Now, Father, make us wise learners. Help us to take these things from your word and apply them to the newspaper articles we read, the things we see on TV, the things that we hear in the conversations around us. Thank you for providing a salvation which deals with us as we are, sinners, and provides the means by which we can be made saints. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Thank you for the gift that is ours, eternal life. Make us wise discerners and righteous believers. Pray for that one here this morning who in his heart, her heart, has been trying to flee from you, been trying to escape the truth, deceiving themselves. Draw them by your love. Show them how free and complete the gift of eternal life is, the gift that you offer to each of us. And draw them to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do that today, I pray. And dismiss us to live out these things in our lives for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ain't nobody's fault but mine, as Blind Willie Johnson sang. If I perish, it won't be because God didn't love me or because Jesus' sacrifice on the cross didn't pay for my sins. It's nobody's fault but mine. Bad doctrine about God, man, and salvation is one of the ways we can spot imposter Christs. We've been learning to beware of the Antichrists. If you'd like to have the message on CD, the single disc is available for your gift of $7 or more. There's also a compilation of the three sermons in this series, and we're asking for a donation of $15 or more for that. It's called, We Can Know Some Things For Sure. Your prayers and financial support for Right Start are vital, and they're having an impact. Proof of that is this broadcast. Thanks to all those who are helping us get the good news out. If the Lord should lay it on your heart to get involved, just respond in faith. Here's how to reach us. On the internet, visit rightstartradio.org. You can click the link to subscribe to our podcast, published every weekday on Apple Podcasts. 
And right there on our site, you can re-listen to radio programs or play or download complete sermons by Pastor Jim. There's no charge thanks to our partners, and you'll find an easy and secure way to donate at rightstartradio.org. rightstartradio.org. And you can write us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call us at 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Can we know our status with God? Assurance of salvation is the topic for our final excursion into 1 John. Coming up on Friday's Right Start. Thank you.